Okay, so I'm Nick Bircher and this is the Nordic Future Makers podcast. Today I'm joined by Christina Hunter-Nielsen, who's VP for Communications at Voy Technology. So, Christina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please? Absolutely. Um, as you say, um, I'm Christina and I'm heading up the communications uh, for Voy, the uh, Swedish e-scooter company. Um, have done so for last year and a half, oh, nearly a well, year and a half, and uh, have been in communications for the last 20 years, a mixture between Stockholm and Amsterdam, working for startups, but also working for more established companies. And I like change. Excellent. So, so let's start with the product. So Voy, you touched on there, is is an orange scooter that you, you kind of rent through an app. I would correct you there, actually. It's a coral, coral-coloured scooter, not orange, coral. Sorry. And yes, that's, that's correct. It's a shared e-scooter. So you download our app and then uh, yeah, you unlock the scooter via the app and then you're free to scoot. So, so it started in Stockholm, mm-hmm, but it's correct. now in the coral coloured scooter is now available in lots of different cities. Yeah, we started, we've got our two year anniversary of Fleece on the Street uh, next week. That will be two years. And we were actually uh, the first scooter company to hit Europe two years ago. And uh, we're now in, well, over 45 cities, 11 countries. Um, yeah. So all, all over the place. And the UK soon as well, I, I've seen. Mm-hmm, that's correct. Yeah. That is true. We are working now, well, we're working uh, with tenders. The UK have an interesting setup. Um, I think people often talk about corona and what what will be the impact of corona. And I think micromobility will be one of the uh, winners because it has kind of been catapulted to the forefront. It was also a chance for, a chance for us to reset. What the UK have done now, they have an, um, a legislation uh, from, I think, the 19th century, which has kind of prohibited the usage of e-scooters. And in May, Grant Shapps, the transport minister, then declared we're going to have a 1.2 billion uh, grant to improve infrastructure. And we're also going to allow cities to um, set up trials for e-scooters. So then they did say 50 cities who said, yep, we're interested. So now the process is ongoing with tenders. And uh, so as a scooter company, you can apply to, yes, we'd like to do a service. We'd like to service your city with scooters. And then they'll get back and declare, OK, we want to go with you or with you. And it's for 12 months. And then that will then be reviewed. And then hopefully that by that time, legislation will have had time to be updated. And then it will be uh, yeah, a continuation of that. It will still be prohibited to use private e-scooters, though. So it's not a national thing. It goes city by city, and each city has yeah. the, the opportunity to decide. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And is that the same everywhere? No, it's a t- it's a total mixed bag, which makes this space rather interesting. You see it. Some countries like Germany, uh, they didn't allow e-scooters until June, I think it was June 17 last year, when they basically updated legislation and had a classification for e-scooters. So e-scooters have their own classification. They have number plates. And yeah, so once you have a number plate, and what was nice, Voy, in fact, being Swedish, we were the first company to get um, certification by the German uh, Motor Insurance Authority. So we were first then. And uh, so then that's how Germany, they don't have tenders though. Anybody who has a classification, has been certified, can in fact 
launch a service in a German city. France has uh, started, I think it's only six cities, but they have tenders. And we have, uh, we won the tender last year in Marseille, unfortunately not in Paris and Lyon and in Bordeaux. So they have national legislation, which was updated in November, then started with tenders. Uh, Nordic country mixed bag, um, again, not national legislation, but starting. Uh, I think Denmark will be updating their legislation. Transport studios in Sweden are coming with different reports. Final one will be in March, and that will then hopefully pave the way. As VOI, we're very pro-regulation because clearly we have a fleet on the street. We must work together closely with the cities, other partners, and make it a you know our vision, which is also one of the reasons I joined the company back then, was creating cities for living, and that's our passion. And we can we can't do that alone. So, um, and for example, Ireland probably also will open up in the spring and Benelux, uh, sorry, Netherlands, they also need to update their legislation too. I think if Parliament are reviewing it in September and we cooperate them, with them on that. And then you have Italy, uh, we're also um, started with tenders there and uh, we're rolling out in Milan next week. Wow. So it's a very mixed bag, which makes it very exciting as well. And I would say the constant in all these different countries and cities is the user demand. There is a great demand for this service. And certainly now post-corona, some yeah people are maybe a bit concerned to be in overcrowded buses. So it's a good way to zip around town safely as well. So um, yeah, so it's exciting. Yeah. And I, I thought it was really interesting the way that this this is kind of complementary to other transport options. So Correct. There was the research in Germany that was it it was something like thirty percent of all voy rides ended at metro stations. So mm-hmm. so it's kind of in it's not replacing something. It, it's no. opening other things up and combining and, and working with other areas. Yeah. I mean our experience is the larger the alternatives are to a car, the higher the uptake. So if you can have choose <clears throat> I take a bus, an underground, maybe an e-bike, maybe an e-scooter, the chances are okay, I have multiple options i'll leave a car at home and i'll get get to my meeting or my coffee encounter on time so i think that's and interesting with e-scooters we did a research and all this can also be found on our blog voicescooters.com blog uh, with anston young and one thing they found that because people say yeah but i have an e-bike that's enough yeah that's great e-bike sharing but e-scooters in fact it's four times likely quite uptake so if you want to create a change, e-scooters are the open to the funnel, I would say. And uh, it's also distance related to typically people scoot between one, five, six, seven kilometers. E-bikes are from four to 20 kilometers. So yeah, again, it's all complementary. And again, our space is the city center. And it's something when when I've been on the train to Stockholm, I then jump off and jump on a scooter to get from the train to the office. So yeah, so that thing about the city centre stations and the metro stations, and and then the the finishing a journey or starting a journey with with a scooter is kind of that's kind of how it's working in most places, isn't it? That's true. And I just correct myself, in fact, on one thing because what we've started doing, yes, it's city centres, it's the I'd say urban areas because we've also started to provide our service in larger operational zones. So we're not sticking to the city centres only. So you'll also come to suburbs in Stockholm where you'll find our service. So we're rolling that out more and more as the demand is there too. 
And then I've seen where I live, there's, I've seen it in Stockholm for a while, but where I live, there's now a whole thing around e-scooter parking. And it seems like mm. the cityscape is now organizing a bit more to kind of let the scooters fit in more effectively. Mm. Yeah, that's something we welcome. And we, we did some uh, research with the Oslo Transporter, TUI. And there, what we see is that if you have a parking rack or even if you mark something on the ground, as a parking and allocate you know, allocated parking space if it's within 60 meters people typically will use that and that's kind of what we want we are free we're a mix between free floating and docking but then we also need to be provided space to do so and still at, at the moment unfortunately most i think it's around about 50 percent of most city centers it's parking space for cars and we would like to be allocated parking areas for micro mobility and then it can be docking it can also be you know, you just mark an area. So I think you have you have a balance there that we, we certainly would uh, that we uh, welcome. And of course, we have the whole geofencing side because everything is via IoT at the back end. So we can also entice people to park in certain areas with our own technology as too, which we do. We also have no parking zones. So in some areas, could be by water or by uh, parks or where we don't. But the city, as I said, they don't want them there. We have no parking zones, so then you actually can't end your ride in certain areas. Are you working with other companies then to develop that thing? So you work with kind of your competitors to try and build that out, the parking. Well, we have our own team of we have our own team of engineers who do our we do the it ourselves. So we work on our back end system ourselves and clearly work with the cities together to allocate space where what. So it's it's kind of a combined. Okay, because that's. The way that you're approaching this isn't kind of let's be a scooter company. You've got a much bigger vision around sustainability and pollution and what the city looks like going forward. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. We're not just a tech company. We are passionate about creating cities for living. And we think that, well, we know micro mobility is a way forward to I mean, just imagine a city where you don't have noise, where you have more pedestrian areas, where it's you know, you don't have traffic jams, banks, smack in the city centre. There is no air pollution. You know, we believe in, and I, I know, yeah, and others have discussed that, this kind of 15-minute city. You can zip around, do things. Of course, you can walk, you can bike, and you can scoot. It's all kind of welcome. But I think we need to rethink how cities are actually, they've still been designed around the car from the 50s. And I think now is the time to come to, to flip that. And it's happening, which is really exciting cities are taking the lead. I mean, if you look at Stockholm already, they have their summer streets, which I think is wonderful. Um, so they actually closed that off for cars. And I think a lot more can be done in that space. Um, you also have London now gearing up with more bike lanes and they're taking that kind of uh, corona situation as a trigger. So I think there's a lot more. And it's not only the e-scooters, it's also the whole idea of sharing. Um, you'll probably see the difference between private e-scooters and shared the shared ones are actually more advanced because we're constantly updating them um so you don't need to always own something to have access to them and that could be for scooters bikes you know for longer journeys outside of cities you could have cars on the sea so i think it's uh i think this we'll look back at this time and go oh that's when it actually changed and probably in 10 years from now we'll look back and go god we had cities looking like that that's a bit silly why didn't we change it before and i think this is a bit of a trigger so it's kind of exciting did the original vision come from experience of someone thinking, let's make the city a better place, mm-hmm. and then the solution became a mm-hmm. scooter? Or was it just a, let's launch a scooter company and see what happens? 
I think it's a, a mixed bag. The founders were very clear. Uh, one of them, Bob's CEO, lived in Moscow for a while and was uh, frustrated about the huge traffic jams and pollution, thinking, you know, surely this can be done in a better way. And then also, um, you know, the others also, like the e-scooters came to the market in the US and thought, hmm, maybe this is it. So I think it was the match of two. And I think really that what uh, makes voice stand out is that passion for that and the discipline bit by bit to make that actually happen. So it's a, someone, so one of the founders has seen a vision of, the the kind of nightmare vision of what a city could be mm, mm. and that's inspired him to think in a slightly different way and then e-scooters and all of that came together mm, correct interesting so how do you so again the actual product itself you're evolving all the time as well to make that mm. more sustainable as mm-hmm. well yes i mean we've now there was a lot in the news that no they're not sustainable that was last year you know a few months etc and um, we're now uh, looking at at least two years for our e-scooters because we've, you know, as you've probably seen on the streets, bigger wheels, more robust, um, really built for sharing. Um, and we're also working a lot more with recycle. We, we repair our scooters and I'd say game changer is we now have swappable batteries. In the past, we actually had to take the scooter off the street every evening. Now we can leave them on the street and a cargo bike comes by and swaps the batteries. So I think that that's kind of a, a game changer there, certainly. And we are now carbon neutral and we're edging towards carbon negative as a company as well. So we're making huge leaps if in, in the space of a year, two years, and which were needed and which is what we want. But it's also, again, that kind of due diligence of let's let's really stay stay close to our vision. So that's where, we, where we're at. So I think that's uh, really... Uh, good from our side a lot more we want to do a lot more as well and um, I mean we've also now we, we've always been working with local uh, charities local partnerships to kind of create cities for living and we also work I can stock on we work with Rena Merlere uh, with a scuba diver um, charity to pick up rubbish from the seabed and unfortunately yeah there are scooters there too there are fridges there's all sorts and that's we want to do our role in that to create cities for living and you know, it's not okay to trash things. It never has been, actually. But I think that's something we're passionate about too. And you're you're reselling them, and there's a business to business angle on this as well, now, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. We have, we have that part, absolutely. So that's uh, and we also did a deal uh, with Fortune, which I think is rather for me. It kind of visualizes the you know, we talk about recycling, but it's also repurposing more and more. Um, with our batteries, then we work with Fortum, so it's green electricity that gets that charges them. But there's also an hydro plant called Voy that will be charging those uh, swappable as well. So then you're seeing how we're really trying to make it a circular economy. Um, so, so hang on. So there's a Voy power station, hydro plant, I believe. Hydro. Yes. Yeah. So what, what's that? That's it's kind of. Well, that, that, that's providing energy, green energy for our swappable batteries. Okay, so you're actually involved in in creating the energy that you then consume and use. And... Yeah, okay. correct. It's early days, but that's the idea in the partnership with Fortune. So then the idea could be at you know, the next level that, in fact, we, in the winter months, saying if, if part of our fleet is not being used, we will then be able to power those batteries if we're not on the street, that hydro plant, and then can be used for something else. Potentially, that's the picture. Wow. 
So yeah, I was out. Wow. Like, wow, that's <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where we want to go. So it's all about collaboration, partnerships, and working with people. Yeah. So you you've got there's the product which is the scooter. There's then thinking mm-hmm. about all the ecosystem around the scooter, so the city and the power and things like that. And then the you touched on this earlier. There's there's this whole thing about data and 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 understanding the city and how people move around it. Mm-hmm. So you've you're you're kind of a data company at the same point. Yeah, partly. I mean, at the end of, at the end of the day, you know, we're about creating cities for living, and we want you know, it's about the micro mobility. But absolutely, because we share that data also with cities, so that we can all learn from one another. So I think that's where you get that hand in hand. So it's so on the one hand, it's it's maps and um, that whole thing you were talking about with geofencing, where you can't park here and mm. you can park, um, understanding mm. where the scooters are and where the demand is. But then, exactly. But then the user experience. The thing I loved about it when I first used it, it just kind of worked. So find the scooter through to billing, through to the app, through to turning it on, turning it off. Mm-hmm. It just worked really seamlessly. So mm. I guess there's a big kind of background of of systems and data and everything powering that as well mm-hmm. absolutely yes we have a you know the teams uh, working on that um, and optimizing at all times there's no point having a, a you know a lineup of scooters not being used you know, it's that kind of you need to it's a balancing act they need to be available so people use it and you want enough of them so that's <laughs> but you don't want them just standing idle on the street that's uh, what we want to try and avoid. So you're seeing patterns in in usage and mm-hmm. different. Yeah, do, do different cities work in in different ways? So, or is there a kind of a general pattern around what people are doing and how people are using them? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, we saw a difference. I mean, when Corona hit in March, when people weren't moving, then you know, they weren't moving a lot. Then it was picked up and we saw a lot more around hospitals and also around parks. And we're also kind of seeing sometimes the distance seems to be getting a bit longer, which implies that they're going more A to B and maybe not doing public transport. It, it's we, we, we certainly it, it's a bit soon because we're now bang smack in the midst of our peak yeah. season. So it'd be interesting to reflect, you know, in the autumn a bit more okay. to see, OK, how? And then, you know, happy to come back to that but now absolutely it's uh, you know we have peaks in the morning and in the afternoons evening from people are kind of but we also see a lot more people are using it for errands as people still are work a lot are working from home too so you don't have that push but then people still want to do things in the morning and maybe they go to the shops maybe have a coffee meeting then go back to the office to work so you're also seeing more of these mini hubs so not everything is now so much bank smacked by the office centers it's you're getting these mini townships everywhere aren't you which is quite fascinating yeah. how people are, yeah. So, and I, I guess you get the other things then come into it, like weather and stuff like that. So, absolutely. Mm. Where where I live, the sun comes out. You see all the scooters by the beach. Mm. Raining and horrible. You don't see any scooters by the beach. Mm. So, I guess you need to kind of factor all those things in as well. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this whole area and the way it's all working, but. There's a question I ask everyone, which is, what are you curious about now? What what are you thinking about? What what personally are you interested in and curious about? I think totally about, uh, I think this is a tipping point. I'm interested in how people move around in cities, that it's kind of ridiculous that 
people still drive a car. It stands idle 95% of the time in the city centre and drive back again. And the whole um, pollution side of that. I think now it's time it changes for proper. I've been in mobility in and out. For the last 15 years, I worked for TomTom that had the sat-nav device that also they still create very good maps and the B2B on that side. But then we were talking about electric vehicles and it's never really taken off. It's never, yeah, but it's, and I think now, now there's no buts. Now's the time to push forward. And uh, I think uh, micromobility is that kind of trigger. And that's what I'm excited for. And then if you take that in the next step, just imagine what we are starting to do with technology. We have slow speed zones. So a scooter can already slow down at a certain in a certain place at a certain speed, right? We can do that. The car industry has been able to do that forever, but they choose not to. And I think we will trigger them to do that. And if you mix all that into that vision and also autonomous vehicles, everything can be possible, but we need to do that reset in our mind that you need to see all vehicles as equal, that we all have access to space. And how do we then you know, adapt well to one another? So I think that's really fascinating. And the whole shared side, I think that's also a shift happening. You, know, you don't need to have to own everything the whole time. You can actually share, but then you need to be reliable and available, of course. <laughs> so distribution becomes part of that. But OK, so as the city becomes more connected and data driven, which mm-hmm. is going to happen with all the new 5G and everything else, mm-hmm. it then becomes more of a a place where things are changing and people are able to kind of manage and predict and and work with it in a different way. Correct. And it will hopefully be a lot more quiet, less stress and a lot less pollution. So big, big things to look forward to. Yeah. Well, um, I'm, as I say, I'm fascinated by all of this. I, I've enjoyed using the scooters myself and, and it's really interesting to hear you talk. I, I never realized how much, variance there is across countries and cities and in how you have to go about doing things so thank you for your time and for taking us through what you're doing and how you're thinking and all of those things my pleasure thank you for inviting Roy to the uh, podcast but it, it's been lovely to talk to you and and really interesting to hear your approach and everything so thank you for christina thank you nick take care now bye-bye and for everyone else I think Christina is another great example of a Nordic future maker, someone who's driving things forward in mobility and sustainability and ultimately making the world, aiming to make the world a better place. So I hope you have enjoyed the podcast. I hope you will subscribe to the podcast and I hope you will listen again in the future.